Welcome to the Joint Dynamics Intelligent Movement Series podcast, an ongoing discussion with experts in the fields of health, fitness, and performance, sharing the science and their tips and tricks that have the goal of taking your health from where you are to where you want it to be. Welcome to episode five of Joint Dynamics Intelligent Movement Series podcast. Today, uh, my guest is Ben Lincoln, a fellow trainer here at Joint Dynamics. Welcome, Ben. Thanks, Tom. Uh, so just um, if you want to give our listeners a little bit of a background about yourself, how you got into training. Okay. So I was always pretty sporty back at school. Uh, played a lot of rugby, golf as well, athletics, and... At the end of uh, the end of school, I kind of stopped doing as much sort of physical activity um, for a couple of years, and it wasn't until I spent a year living in America when I met this uh, Scottish chap who showed me how to use the gym. So I'd never really used a, a gym before, and we basically used machines and, and bench presses and that kind of thing. And I realised sort of the first time that I wasn't really very strong. <laughs> so this guy. He uh, taught me to, to get strong in, in just a few kind of quite simple ways. And I really liked that idea. I really liked being strong. And I suppose that was the, the, the start of it. And uh, after spending a bit more time in America, coming back to England, I continued to go to the gym and just do sort of standard stuff. And eventually, sort of in my late 20s, I started working as a, as a personal trainer. And then started diving more into it from there and asking more questions so it's sort of a bit of an evolution I'd say hopefully from from then until now from very sort of simple linear things that are potentially benefit strength a lot maybe doesn't cover a very wide scope and then through asking questions and going through what what is generally called functional movement and learning a bit more about movement it gets a lot more interesting. So, you know, for the first time when I started going from, let's say, machines, like everyone kind of starts in the gym, going then go to free weights, yeah. common journey, and then into the sort of functional thinking when I became a personal trainer. And then you start to make some much more interesting connections, like somebody tells you that a knee problem could be because of your foot and your hip. You're yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it just yeah. starts to open up all these different things and then start asking more questions and why is your shoulder structure like that? You know, why is the scapula that shape? And why do all those muscles go in all those different directions? But I'm only pushing and pulling in, in two directions. There must be more to it than this. And, yeah. and then it kind of snowballs from there. You start to realize all of the other effects you can have on your body and the benefits from, from training and movement. So. Nice. That sounds a very interesting journey then. Uh, you mentioned movement a few times. Obviously, um, you're one of the movement specialists here at Joint Dynamics. Um, as trainers, um, what do you think we should be offering our clients and how does that kind of differ from the general narrative out there about training, like you mentioned, they're kind of almost training in one plane uh, for strength. Um, what, what do you think we should be doing as trainers? It's a bit different. Yeah, I think that uh, what we can do is try to teach them to be self-sufficient. That's, that's always my goal at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that the way to the way we can do that is to try and connect them to certain principles and, and get them to sort of see how 
these things are, are relevant to, to, to them. So the analogy that I like to use is a, is a like the superhero analogy. So getting people to sort of realize the, the possibilities that exist within the body and, and how our interactions with our environment can really enhance the body in, in what ways. So you can kind of imagine if there was a superhero who could, everything they do, yeah. everything they sort of touch and all the forces that they produce and therefore receive back from their environment makes them stronger okay. or enhances their body. This is a superhero I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so if I push into that wall, I reinforce the, the structure and the strength uh, of my body. Okay. If I play that game and I keep playing it, then I get better at that game. Right. And, and, and so on. And then basically, of course, what I'm saying is we are that superhero. Everybody is, has that ability to whatever we, we do, you know, we, we, we get better at it and we get stronger. So I think being generally resilient is, is, is a goal that I would try and set for the client. I think that the only way you can really do that is to do many different things and not be too isolated in, in your in your approach. And would, do, would you say that kind of being a little bit one-dimensional is something that um, clients are maybe um, not being told to do, but do you think that's kind of missing is the other dimension? Because life is three-dimensional. We don't walk in straight lines all the time or you know, we don't have, do everything in sagittal plane. But do you think that that combination of the other planes of movement is missing from a lot of people's physical practice? Hmm. I think it's, it's definitely getting better these days. I, I look around, um, see people outside in the park, and people are definitely doing more uh, more sort of rotational movements, yeah. and kind of the movements they do look a little bit more like, you know, how the body is set up. But it's still, I think there's still a long way to go. Yeah. And um, part of it is definitely that three-dimensionality and just the general sort of complexity, I think, is missing from certain people's general, uh, you know, if they, if they spend, let's say, just a few hours on their body every week, and uh, depending on what their goals are, I think that it's a really good idea to include definitely three planes of motion. Yeah. You're going to, we have this kind of analogy about Colouring in the joint surfaces, like, you're trying to bring health to your structure and your body by putting forces through it. Yeah. So the only way to do that in like a really sort of complete way is to introduce forces in many different ways going into the body. Yeah, I, I like that. It's, I think it's, it's super important, especially if you consider a lot of people's jobs can involve kind of being sat down for a lot of the day or like walking to work, sitting down on the train and then sitting down in their office and stuff. So I think definitely movement is something that's super important. And like you said, in, in those three dimensions as well, different planes. Um, changing the topic slightly, uh, we're going to talk about programming. What place do you think that programming has in, in training? Hmm. So for me, I have sort of a mixed view about programming and yeah. I think that if you have a specific goal in mind, or if you're maybe a fairly serious athlete, then it's slightly different from if you're uh, an office worker, say, and you spend a lot of time sitting down, and you yeah. only have 
um, in, in your view, uh, quite a limited amount of time to spend on your on your movement. You're not really that bothered about a particular outcome, mm. uh, apart from the fact that most people, they generally, they seem to be looking to build a bit of muscle and get stronger. Yeah. And some people are concerned about their, their body composition as well. Mm. But if you, if you don't have any particular athletic goals, then I would probably program only a small amount of the training. Yeah. So you have some structure. Okay. Uh, on the on the flip side, if you're looking for a particular goal and it's quite a difficult thing to achieve, like maybe a body weight or a gymnastic skill, then I think that it's important to dis- use some structure. Otherwise, you kind of drift and you, you bluntly you just don't do as much. It's hard to get that kind of progressive overload if you don't. I guess if you're not programming yeah. for it, right? It's, uh, yeah, it depends on where you are. Yeah, bit. definitely. I think as well the focus or the, um, you know, you, for me personally as a trainer and and working out myself, I like to know what I'm going to be doing in every session. So if my client comes in, I, I know that today we're going to be doing like a lower body push and upper body pull, for example. Now, uh, obviously there must be some kind of fluidity and uh, allowance for your client to be maybe having a good day and a bad day maybe they've got aches and pains or some soreness that they didn't have the last session um, so I think definitely having that um, ability to change and modify your session is, is important um, so yeah it's interesting to kind of your, your perspective on that yeah, yeah I just feel uh, the reason that I started questioning that side of things was it's like a lot of the reading and, and stuff that I do sort of one thing that keeps coming up is that sort of nature doesn't really waste anything mm. and there's all of these different things we can do with, with our bodies yeah. and chances are that they're all relevant they're all important especially when you kind of realize that all of the sort of function of the body that overlapping and working together yeah like our, our breathing is kind of linked with all kinds of different things even coming to sort of mobility of the spine and mm. even the way we uh, our immune system works is affected by how we breathe whether we breathe sort of diaphragmatically and yeah and sometimes just sticking to like a, a rigid program can maybe it's more difficult to allow for things like that, um, you know, all the different things that the body can do. Yeah, that's interesting. I like, um, yeah, you don't want to kind of focus solely on only one thing and forget about all the other things that are just as important, if not sometimes more. If, you, if you're only ever doing one thing, your body's going to be able to move in that direction. Whereas if you're unable to move... Uh, you, know, you see in football a lot ACL injuries a lot of uh, ACL injuries I believe it's 80% of them are non-contact injuries and mm. it's because players aren't able to decelerate and change direction um, efficiently enough because they never put themselves into those situations and you always get hurt doing the things that your body's not used to so being able to I guess put your body in these situations where it may not be relevant for your sport or for general life but there may come a time where you have to perform that movement and if you haven't got that range of motion or the strength or the ability to perform it, then that's when you get hurt. It's like the common thing about, um, I hear people, you know, your knee shouldn't go past your toes when you're doing a back squat and this kind of thing. And it's, a, if, um, you know, it's impossible to uh, 
to walk downstairs if your knee doesn't go in yeah. front of your toe. And yeah. it's just one of those things that people take something like that, for example, and they apply it to everything. Mm. Um, whereas, yeah, if you've got knee issues or ankle mobility problems, then probably keeping your knees behind the toe is a good thing. But in general, there's movements you do in everyday life where your knee goes beyond your toe. And um, Yeah, we laugh about this, actually. I laugh about it with Adam, one of the physios here, and just about about exactly that and yeah. uh, I agree with you totally that you know you have to go into these places life's going to take you there at some point yeah so if you're only prepared in it in a linear way and then you're not ready mm. for life and and also the randomness of it and I love the idea of introducing like a a game environment into some kind of you know into a rehab program or, or prehab you're trying to prepare prepare people for one thing I really loved was um, there's a guy called Joseph Fruchek and he, he talks about what would you do in your training if you didn't know what you were going to need tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, and it comes back again to variety and like, all of these different things. Uh, there's one thing being strong, but then there's also the ability to adapt to things that you're not expecting. Yeah. yeah. And the ability to move in a way that kind of tries to uh, sort of preserves your structure. So as well as making a strong joint, does that joint collaborate with the rest of the body in a variety of movement yeah. environments? Mm. And uh, that's something that if, it, if somebody doesn't play a sport, they could go their whole adult life without moving in that kind of way where they have to adapt and, mm. and do random things and sort of provoke sort of thought and um, that adaptability into, into their movement. Yeah, and it, it it kind of keeps snowballing because then there's now a lot of talk as as we get older, being able to adapt and move in complex ways as we've kind of evolved to do, and it kind of helps to maintain even like the, the physical structure of our brain, not just our our thinking and maybe our focus and concentration, but it changes yeah. literally the architecture of the brain to keep up this kind of movement. Definitely, and I think um, you mentioned a good point there about as you get older, because I think being able to, you know, like you said, deal with situations that are unexpected, like having to maybe step off the road if there's a car coming or things like that, that we almost take a little bit for granted, but some people might not be able to do that, especially as you get older. And I think one thing about, you know, for our listeners that aren't in Hong Kong, is like in the parks, you see a lot of kind of older generation and they're doing it. Kind of almost like a Tai Chi style. Yeah, they're doing a lot of movement and things. Great, isn't they? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see. Like especially from the UK, like you. I mean, when people get to seventy years of age or eighty mm. years of age in the UK, generally people become very mm. sedentary and sit down at home. Whereas here, they are in the park every day doing their Tai Chi, and it's it is incredible to see. Um, there's there's an one thing that really fascinates me is that how much of this stuff that people put down to, to being old is actually a result of just not using stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And how much of it is in reality because of people's age. Yeah. And I think it, people would be really surprised um, what, their, what their body can do. Not yeah. only when they're sort of in their, in their youth in their, and when, when they get older. Yeah, so I think it's a, a, a common, I don't know if you call it a myth, but um, people think, oh, I'm old now, so I need to stop. Mm. doing exercise or things like that and in fact it yeah. should be the opposite right? it's like the knee past the toe again isn't it yeah yeah. Right? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's the same thinking 
Yeah, definitely. Now, what factors do you think affect sports performance? And I'm going to kind of uh, focus a little bit on golf now because you're, I guess, a keen golfer, um, 300 plus yard drive. <laughs> Once. <laughs> Once. It still, it still happened. Um, what, what factors do you think? Obviously, you mentioned kind of um, the um, ability for the body to perform as a unit mm. uh, but with all the kind of individual cogs if you like turning in order um, what else do you think would affect sports performance for golf mm. so I've been thinking about this a lot actually and uh, I think that there's a lot of things certain things that affect the, the golf swing a lot uh, when you see a really good player there's one thing that you always you, you almost always see is that they have really good rhythm they have there's like a sort of a smoothness to to their swing to the transitions within the swing and it looks very connected as well so for for golf or in any sport i would want people to be to have what we call really good motion sharing okay so let's say oh you're using basically your whole body from head to toe when you're when you're playing golf and there's that the motion is shared out between all of the joints right so if you have joints that aren't moving in, in effect, um, the bones that either side that would make up the joints. So if you <coughs> imagine the spine, it has lots of lots of vertebrae and if they move just a little bit each, the motion's feathered through those segments, yeah. then that sets you up for uh, a smoother motion and it's, it's gentler on the individual segments in this you want to think about sort of preserving the body throughout mm. and each time you move a joint as well you load the muscles across it so you have more potential for power so yeah. number one i would look at motion sharing okay so it, you could look at that as mobility yeah but it's a little bit more than that but um the next thing i would get people to be really strong so if you're going to make everything move a little bit and you want it to be strong as well you want it to be resilient to the motions it does have mm. as opposed to just mobile and then floppy you know not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you honestly want to educate that that movement as well uh, I don't believe in training too close to the golf swing movement and okay. potentially interfering with the, the skill a little bit Yeah. otherwise you might as well just put a pair of silly trousers on and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stand yeah. in a field oh yeah <laughs> that, that reminds me of some, uh, a graphic that I've seen um, of uh, someone that I can't remember who it was, but someone was like training a golfer and they had him stood on top of a Swiss ball, yeah. swinging a golf club with a weight on the end. And I think this is a, a topic for a whole other episode, but in terms of like sports specific training. So, um, yeah, I like, <laughs> I 100% yeah. agree with you there. People go, people get really, people get crazy about, uh, about golf with all the equipment and stuff. And, yeah. uh, especially in this part of the world, actually, you see that they have all the gear, <laughs> but a lot of people get really obsessed about what you can do to improve their golf because it's such an ad addictive game but yeah. one thing I would say about sports performance in general it, performance in general is throughout that the chain within a movement I always would, would look to see if there are any weak links where the energy might leak yeah. so and it's really interesting to look at people's physiques as well so when you, you sometimes you get a really big muscular strong person and then their feet are kind of a bit scrawny and, and skinny and you're like oh you know 
have you just been sort of doing a lot of work in isolated fashion? Because it doesn't seem like your that strength is like really permeating your whole body. It just looks like you almost like you stuck on muscles onto that physique. <laughs> yeah. And like I really like the idea of creating strength from the inside out, where you're it just really goes right through the body and like in, and they're strong in all these irregular ways and all, in all these different positions, mm. which you will be in for especially if you're a crap golfer <laughs> climbing the trees to get your club and things like that. You've seen me, you've seen me play golf before. <laughs> Just once. Yeah, it was inspiring. Got to go back on Monday. Um, but uh, yeah, and I mean, people talk about core training a lot and for me that's just the ability to interact for your upper and lower body to work together in a yeah. lot of different ways. That's, that's all it is and I don't think people need to always lie on the floor and burn their abs. I think that if you just move your body in loads of different ways, put your hands on the ground, be strong with a straight arm and a bent arm, you know, all, all these different, so many different like things. Like patterns and things like that, right? I'm a big fan of, of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so bring on to my next point. What are your three favorite exercises? Um, Oh, I sort of touched on it there a little bit. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of the, uh, there's an exercise with the kettlebell that Garth made a great video about this the other day. The Turkish kettlebell? The getter. Yeah. yeah. I love it because I think that it, it, it strengthens that link between the upper and lower body, all of those sort of cross body sort of patterns. Mm. It's great for sort of a, a gauge of somebody, you know, if, if somebody can improve their ability and strength to get off the floor with a weight, I think that's a fantastic metric for how strong somebody is because they've got to do it through a lot of different positions, yeah. a lot of different angles. If somebody is a, get a little bit older and you can show them, uh, you can video them struggling to get off the floor with no weight and then later on when they're, that little bit older again, they can get up the floor easily with 10 kilograms in the hand. That's fantastic. I yeah. love it. I love that exercise. Yeah, yeah. It's a great assessment as well for seeing certain missing links in people's movement. Very good assessment and exercise. Love it. Awesome. Um, um, did you say three? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> one. So, oh yeah. So I'm, I really, really like hanging any kind of hanging exercises. Yeah. So uh, we use a lot on the Olympic rings for that. And TRX, obviously, or just a bar, yeah. bands, anything. Um, the reason I really like that is because when you're, when you're hanging from something, you have the ability to keep your arm in a kind of fixed place and sort of orbit and rotate your body around in different positions. Yeah. And I think that you can kind of use that to put forces through your body in lots of different ways and get strong in lots of different ways. So that could be for to get stronger at pulling exercises. It could just be to bring some more health to the shoulder. You can obviously drive motion into the spine that way. You can strengthen your core that way. If you look at the, <laughs> the way the arm goes into the abdominal muscles and the, those muscles kind of link in with each other there. So yeah. 
hanging. <laughs> hanging Turkish cat up from what would be a third. The last one, it's got to be the medicine ball throw that you made me do on the whole program that I was shocking at. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of work to do. <laughs> that was a fun one, but but no, I, I enjoyed that, and uh, it felt like after a while, I, with that, I was able to sort of arrange my body better, even though you were still taking the mic after. You were, you were getting better at it, but I just had to keep you, uh, keep you grounded, right? Yeah. <laughs> serious answer, my the third one would be crawling stuff. Yeah, nice. yeah. awesome. Some uh, good, good suggestions there. So if you're listening and you're looking for three good exercises to work on, those would be uh, Ben Lincoln's three most valuable, uh, three stars, I guess you call it, of the episode when it comes to exercise. So uh, thanks again for your time today, Ben. Uh, Don't forget to tune in next time, guys, for the next episode of the Joint Dynamics podcast.